God and Father, thank you for saving and transforming us through, through the gospel. We ask that you would help and empower us to advance the gospel uh, wherever we are in our homes, workplaces, and neighborhoods. We pray that you would also teach us how to leverage hard circumstances and how to, to leverage those cir- circumstances that are difficult actually as an opportunity for the gospel. We ask for your strength and wisdom to advance the gospel also with the right motives, those right motives, Lord, that we need of goodwill and truth and love. Help me to speak your words today uh, for your glory alone. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Today I'll, be, today I'll be reading Philippians 1, 12 to 18. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to, the all, and to all the rest that my, that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed And in that, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Thank you very much, Lucy. We're continuing our current uh, sermon series. This is somewhat of a new sermon series on the book of Philippians. And the theme of the book is to live is Christ. To live is Christ. That phrase may sound strange. We don't often use that, to live is Christ. What does that mean? And there's some ambiguity around it. But basically, this series will unpack what that means. And if you've ever heard of the phrase... Um, I want to know what it means to really live. I want to really live. That's kind of what Paul has in mind, the writer of uh, Philippians, uh, as we discover what it means to live under the reign and rule of Christ, what we were meant for. Up until from now until the end of June, we're going to work our way little by little, verse by verse, through the entire book of Philippians uh, so that we don't miss anything that the Lord would want to communicate to us and have us be taught and changed by. Now, digging into our passage Today that Lucy just read for us, I want to uh, run this idea by you, this idea of whether it's breaking news or big news or or hot news, and basically more personal, not so much the media news, but more personal, important news and information that you can't help but share with other people around you. For example, you may have encountered on social media, perhaps, uh, so-called cures for cancer. Have you seen these? Cures for cancer on social media, and or magical treatments for cancer, okay? And I won't speak to the credibility or the viability of these, what could be fake news reports or ca- cancer cures, okay? I won't get into that. Uh, but the question is, why are people so often 
very passionate about sharing this information about these cures to cancer. Why do they want to let all their Facebook friends know? Well, chances are good that they've been affected by cancer in some way. Someone they love or maybe they're, they're battling cancer and, you know, they've been touched by cancer in some way and, and so they're passionate to share this cure. Who wouldn't be if this is a legitimate cure and if they're convinced this is the, this is the treatment, this is the magic bullet for cancer, it makes sense that they would be passionate to tell everyone they know. I'm going to let everyone know that, about this, this treatment. Another example of uh, big news that has touched our family Indirectly, just because we have kids that are, we have one teen and an almost teen, is that you may have heard of this, is that recent studies of lower mainland Vancouver public high schools uh, is that 60% of all high school students are now vaping. 60%, 6 out of 10, are now vaping. You may not know what vaping is. Uh, what it is, it's basically an electronic form of Smoking and it's largely undetectable, which means you may remember that heavy metal song from the 80s by Motley Crue, Smoking in the Boys' Room. Remember that song? One of you does, maybe. Uh, but basically, basically, we're talking smoking in the boys' room and the girls' room times 100, okay, because it's undetectable. Okay, back in the day you could detect it, now you can't. So it's happening in the washrooms all the time, okay, all the time. And so as a result, because 60 or more percent of our high school kids are regularly vaping, uh, the concern is, what is this doing to their health and maybe their mental health as well, not just their physical health? Why? Uh, so this is why parents are freaking out, teachers are freaking out about vaping, principals are freaking, everyone's freaking out about vaping, okay? And so as a result of this freakout, newsletter, school newsletter after newsletter is going out and being sent out to parents, Facebook warnings everywhere, media reports about this issue, um, you know, it's, it's advancing everywhere. This news about vaping and its danger, advancing everywhere. Everyone's freaking out. And whatever the hot news is, the breaking news about vaping or cancer treatment, whatever it is, uh, maybe you're, you're passionate about climate change and maybe finding cheap gas prices uh, or telling the world how much or how awesome the Avengers movie is, whatever it is, you and I, we tend to advance and share whatever kind of news that we're dealing with now, uh, whatever we're passionate about is what we share. Whatever we're passionate, whatever you're passionate about, we often share. Would you agree with that generally? So my point is, our, our message title is all about advancing the gospel. This is the ultimate news. And I hope to make the case today uh, that the gospel, otherwise known as the good news, um, I want to make the case that the gospel is the preeminent, best news, hot news, hottest news in the universe, if you will. And this is the preeminent news that the, the Bible instructs Christians uh, to passionately and regularly share with the lost, spiritually, pe spiritually lost people in our circle of relationships and to do so winsomely, uh, compassionately, and, and very boldly. And I will talk about not only uh, how the gospel is the most important and most powerful news in the universe, but how Philippians actually shows us uh, where and how we are to advance the gospel about Jesus to bring about new life and hope and transformation in the real people in our lives today. So let's dig in. We're going to 
dive right into this passage. And number one in your notes is this. Simply advance the gospel wherever you are. Think about that. Advance the gospel wherever you find yourself. Wherever you are. So if you're at work, uh, where you live on your street, at Costco, at your school, at your kid's school, at your kid's school activities, in your fitness class, in your, your gym, uh, even if you're in Timbuktu, wherever that is. Anyone know where that is? Wherever it is, or if you find yourself on the moon on a space mission, if there's other people there on the space mission with you, the idea is wherever you go, Christians globally here around the world, we are as followers of Jesus to advance the gospel, speak about Jesus and his ways wherever we find ourselves. We get this indirectly from verse 12, and I want to share this with you. And we, get, we see this actually more indirectly from the entire passage. But verse 12, let me read it again. It says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance, there it is, advance the gospel. What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, the Apostle Paul has written this letter, and he is saying in verse 12, and in this entire passage, basically, what has happened to me, as hard as, it, as it's been, it's actually helped to advance the gospel. It's actually helped more people meet Jesus through me. So this is a guy, wherever he goes, this happens, he's advancing the gospel. We'll talk more about this in a little bit, about the circumstance that Paul finds himself in, but the, the indirect principle from Paul is he is desiring, he is seeking to advance the gospel in whatever place I'm in, whatever circumstances I am in, that's what I'm going to do. That was his mission. And so what this means for you and for me is wherever you are, wherever you are, in your current workplace, in your current street, your apartment building, your, your townhouse complex, in your own family, in your own extended family, that is precisely the mission field that Jesus has given you to share the gospel in, okay? To advance the gospel in, just like Paul here. Let me tell you a quick story. Uh, back when I was in college, uh, a few years ago, the first three semesters of my college experience, the first year and a half, were a big fat disaster. Uh, academically, it was horrible. I had one of the worst GPAs in the entire college. And a big reason why I was not doing well in college is because I had it in my mind that I'm doing something else. I'm not going to use this college education or whatever I'm working toward here. Greener pastures lay ahead. It's not connected to my current college education. It's somewhere else. So because it's somewhere else, why in the world would I, should I or why would I apply myself in this current uh, college, in this place of study, even though it was free, okay? This won't amount to anything anyhow. Why bother? God has, God has better plans for me over there, you see. Not here. Later on, not now. But, despite me being in that state of mind, a couple of staff members at that college at the time, they challenged me. And they said something like, Kurt, don't give up. Don't throw the towel in on this current opportunity. We see leadership in you. We see some gifts in you, which is crazy, but they did. Kurt, you got to believe. 
This is what they told me. You got to believe God has you here for a purpose. He has placed you right here, right now, for a reason. Because of that, throw yourself in. Throw yourself right into what you have before you and just watch what God will do. Throw yourself into it. Might be temporary, might not be. Throw yourself into it. Because this is where, if you're here now, this is where God wants you. It's amazing the power of encouragement. This is exactly what I did. And I went from basically being uh, just a, a complete failure academically, getting a failing GPA, to then rising right away to one of the highest GPAs in the college. By the way, this is a very small college, okay? <laughs> so it, it doesn't take much to rise above, okay? But anyhow, that's what happened. It was a lot better, all the GPA, than I, what I had. And furthermore, at that time, I was working part-time. Well, gospel opportunities in my workplace were opening up left, right, and center, happening more and more, speaking about Jesus there. And, and sure enough, that sort of 180 experience in my life at that younger age, that then led me, it opened a door to ministry, to go with the ministry track and direction I'm on to, to this day. For 20, 20, here I am 20 years later. Crazy, huh? So wherever you are, now is exactly where God has placed you for right now to advance the gospel, to advance the gospel in this moment, in this place, in your life. Now, there's a, lot, a little more I want to say about this point, okay? So bear with me about point number one. There's a lot more I want to say. Let me try to keep this somewhat concise. I mentioned last week that the gospel is, the word gospel is a transliterated word in the Bible, in the New Testament, that means literally the good news. And this good news in the New Testament is simply the news about Jesus, okay? What happened? What is the news about Jesus? Well, the, the, the news is simply God loved us so much. He loved the world so much that he made so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, on a rescue mission to earth 2,000 years ago. And the rescue mission was essentially Jesus living your perfect life for you in your place, because you couldn't do that. Jesus dying on the cross for your sins in your place. On that cross, Jesus prayed, paid the full price of death for your sins. He became a curse for us. Three days later, after Jesus' death, he rises from the dead to defeat and eradicate, eradicate Satan's sin and death forevermore. Anyone who responds to the gospel with repentance of sins, with faith and trust in the gospel and baptism, you are saved. You receive heaven in your future instead of hell. You receive generous gospel gifts such as forgiveness of any and all of your sins, past, present, and future. A new identity as God's beloved and adopted son or daughter. God, I mean, this is amazing in itself. God, the Holy Spirit, comes to take up residence within you as a Christian to then help you live and receive power to live the Christian life, a new transformed life for God's glory. You see, the gospel, this good news about what Jesus has done for us, we te teach this in the membership class. Uh, You've got to take that class if you haven't taken it yet. In the membership class, we spell out that the gospel, this news about Jesus, is the most important news in the universe, 1 Corinthians 15, 4, and the most powerful news in the universe. It's got dynamite-like power to transform, to save, and to change us, all right? So it's got the power to save people. It's got the power to change people. And my point is simply this. Most important, most powerful news. 
if the gospel is the most important news and the most powerful news in the universe, bar none, how could I, how could you, how could we not share it with as many people as we can, wherever we are? How could we not advance this gospel in winsome, in compassionate, in loving ways to those who need the gospel, who are on the outs with God currently? One of the most loving things, do you believe this, by the way? One of the most loving things you can do that I can do is to simply share the news about Jesus with them. Most loving thing, one of the most loving things we can do. There's one more aspect to this that, we, that I for, often forget, that we, I think, often forget. That the not-yet-Christian people in your circle of relationships right now, we forget that they're actually a lot more open to hearing about Jesus than we think. They actually are. They're actually quite open, surprisingly. Uh, Jesus teaches the, us this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Uh, he speaks there about a harvest. Okay, Think of a harvest farmer planting wheat, grows it at the end of the season, September, October, takes that wheat off. There's tons of seeds. There's more seeds than ever. And, and Jesus is saying there's a harvest of souls before us, right before us, right in our own city, right in our own neighborhoods, right in our own workplaces. And he's saying there's people everywhere. Uh, they are ready. They're ready to be, to be harvested, ready to hear the gospel, ready to respond to the gospel. But the problem is not enough workers. Not enough workers to take in the harvest, you see. The harvesters, he says, are few. And so let me ask you this. Are you ready to be a harvester? Do you believe that right now, wherever you are in your circle of relationships, there are people who are ready to hear the gospel, hear about Christ? They are ready to respond to Christ. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And all they need is you, if you're a Christian. All they need is you to winsomely, to truthfully, compellingly, and boldly share the gospel with them. When that gospel conversational door opens before you, are you ready to go, to go through it? They are more open than we realize. And I've discovered this. I get, the, I get the fear and the nervousness. We live in a very, I would say, an increasingly Christian-hostile uh, society and culture. So I get the fear factor, okay? I, I'm as, as scared as the next person on this matter. I struggle with this. But I have been amazed that when I've asked for God to help me, to give me the boldness to share the gospel, when those conversational doors open up, I have been amazed how open people are. I've been at the Rotary Club where I've shared the gospel. Um, I've been to the Chamber of Commerce where I've prayed before entering the building, before this luncheon, uh, for a gospel opportunity and a conversation. Bam, it happens within five minutes. That's amazing. And they brought it up. They brought up wanting to hear more about Jesus. That's incredible. How can you deny that that was God setting that up? Uh, I've been amazed at just coffees at Starbucks where, again, I'm praying for gospel opportunities to happen. And, again, they're asking me. Of course, being a pastor helps sometimes because they're like, what do you do? I'm a pastor. And then they actually want to hear more about Jesus. Like, this is just nuts. Supernatural conversations. Again, people are much more ready and willing and open to hearing about Jesus than we give them credit for. They're the, har the harvest is waiting. They're just waiting. They're just waiting for more harvesters to go to them with the gospel and to give them the hope that we have. And just waiting for people to do so winsomely, compellingly, and compassionately. 
and so must we wherever we are. One last thing I want to share on this point. You see how this is a long point? I told you. I warned you. One last point, and this is a fairly long quote, so just to really test your uh, powers of concentration here. This is a quote from a report called, Imagine How We Can Reach the UK, the United Kingdom. Okay, so this is not about Canada, but it very much applies to the Canadian context, in my opinion. And this is from a book called Total Church. Now here's the quote. You ready for this quote? The vast majority of Christians have not been helped to see that who they are and what they do every day in schools, workplaces, or clubs is significant to God. Nor that the people they spend time with in those everyday contexts are the people God is calling them to pray for, to bless and witness to. So, we pray for our Sunday school teachers, but not, for example, our school teachers working 40 hours a week in schools among children and adults who on the whole don't know Jesus. We pray for our overseas missionaries over there somewhere, but not for Christian electricians, builders, shop assistants, and managers in our own towns. We have simply not been envisioned, resourced, supported to share the good news of Jesus in our everyday context, and I think that is absolutely true, and I think that's something we want to see more of for you guys at Mercy Hill. So, I want you to imagine this. You, if you're a Christian, you are a missionary. You have been sent by God into your own mission field right here in Surrey, Langley, Lower Mainland. Your everyday context is now, your mission field is now, it is here. Let us, let us advance the gospel right here, right now, like Paul did. Let's move on to number two. Uh, Number two point in your notes, if you're following along, is simply... Advance the gospel during hard circumstances and persecution. Advance the gospel during hard circumstances and persecution. And we get this from verses 13 and 14. Let me just read that again. Paul says, So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. First thing to note here is the situation that Paul is in at the time of writing is that he is likely under house arrest in the ancient city of Rome. And the reason that he has been arrested, he's committed a crime, you see. You know what his crime is? He's spoken about Jesus. That was his crime. That was the crime for which he was being charged. And, And so that's why he's there. He's under house arrest. Incredibly, He is being guarded by none other than the imperial guard here. This is the top level and most influential uh, set of soldiers in the entire Roman Empire. And because of this, there there are all kinds of staff and servants there, all kinds of people all around Paul at the time. This is a serious place, serious business here. And, And so he's in a center of influence, incredibly. And the Philippian church, they catch wind, they catch sort of rumor or word that Paul is under house arrest in Rome, which is quite a ways away from Philippi, and they're heartbroken because, well, this was the guy that led them to Christ, and they're worried about him. Paul's in prison, but Paul is saying here, no, 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 don't be heartbroken. You should be rejoicing that I'm in jail. Can you imagine saying that? You should be rejoicing, glad, happy that I'm in jail because the Lord is using me here. He's got a special mission for me to advance the gospel in this place amongst some of the most influential people 
that have strong connections with Nero, with Caesar. I'm here because Jesus has a new mission field for me. That's essentially what he's saying. It's amazing. And then Paul describes one more beautiful thing that has happened uh, because he's in jail. You may have caught this, that the Christians, probably from the, the ancient Roman church who are trying to attend to his needs, the Christians in Rome... Well, they see Paul. They see him sharing the gospel. They see him doing this winsomely and confidently and, and boldly. And he's advancing the gospel without fear. He doesn't care anymore. He doesn't care at all what's going to happen to his life. And they see this guy, Paul, sticking his neck out on the line in jail for the gospel, still sharing the gospel. And they see this example, and they're emboldened. They're being helped, actually. Boldness for the gospel is contagious. It's like a, a disease, but this is a positive disease, if you can have that. This is how God works. He uses hard circumstances to help you, help others, and then embolden other Christians around you as they see your example in sharing the gospel under duress. Quick story. I'll tell you a story about a woman by the name of Linda Barkman. Uh, she was wrongfully put in jail way back in 1979, and I won't get into the details, they're, they're pretty gory actually, but she was not the one committing a crime. And this was in California. And thankfully, in the jail system then, as is now, there's a lot of good Christian ministry that happens in jail. You'd be surprised. There's a lot um, in the jail system. And so Linda, she decides, I got nothing better to do because I'm in jail, what else am I going to do with my time? she decides to start attending the daily Christian worship services that were going on there. And so she goes, because again, what else am I going to do? And she goes to the service, and immediately the other Christian inmates and other Christian volunteers that were there, they accept her, they, they surround her with love and understanding and prayer, and this is just all kinds of Christian love. Long story short, well, this kindled within her this, this, this new faith in Christ, which then led to, you know what, I want to join in on this kind of mission uh, mission work and ministry here, and she later becomes, over time, as she's being discipled uh, in that place, she becomes the primary uh, Bible teacher and speaker, because she's got speaking gifts and teaching gifts, and so she's the one teaching at these daily uh, worship services for inmates. <clears throat> in so doing, over the years, she helps Hundreds, if not thousands, of women accept the gospel, hear about Christ, and then help others hear and accept the gospel as well. So fast forward to 2009. So we went from 1979 to 2009, 30 years later, in prison. She's finally released. Again, a wrongful crime. And amazingly, now, you know what she's doing? She's still doing prison ministry, but she's doing prison ministry not from the inside, but from the outside. She's now a volunteer and coming in. I think she's on staff with an organization. But my point is, she not only found Jesus in prison, but then she became, in that place, in those very hard circumstances, uh, a gospel advancer. A gospel advancer to then help others meet Jesus, who then, they they would meet Jesus and then want to do the same thing, as her, and then help others meet Jesus. Basically, she helped, she made disciple making disciples of Jesus for God's glory. God had a mission field for her in mind, and she used that horrible situation to help more people meet Christ. 
Let me ask you this. If you are going through something really difficult right now, something very trying, something very brutal right now, is it possible that God is handing you a new opportunity to showcase, to advance the gospel, to help more people meet Jesus, be transformed by him? Maybe right now, I think a lot of you are actually catching some heat and resistance about your faith in Jesus in your workplace. Maybe you're catching heat for being a Christian in your, in your school. Maybe in your, your, own, your own family members may despise you be, for being a faithful church, uh, church-going Christian. Uh, maybe you're going through a nasty health situation. Basically, whatever harsh, difficult situation you're going through, Uh, It's possible that God is allowing that to happen to give you yet another gospel opportunity, a new mission field where you can put Jesus on display through your words, through your patient example, where your hard circumstances won't crush you because Jesus is with you. You've got the ultimate resource of Christ in you to help you in that situation. Um, There's no one greater, no one more helpful than Jesus, no one more powerful than Jesus within you to help put put his, his own character on display through you for the purposes of his mission. That's number two. Let's move on to number three in your notes. Last point is simply the gospel advances uh, with wrong and right motives. The gospel advances with both wrong and right motives. This is fascinating and potentially confusing as we get into it. Uh, We see this in verses 15 to 18a, and I'll read it again for us. Some indeed preach Christ from, from envy envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice." This is a weird situation, wouldn't you agree? Like, what is going on here? And so here's what was likely occurring. Paul had people that didn't like him. Paul had rivals. Probably people, Christians, that were jealous of him. Trying, Their goal was to bring Paul down. Let's discourage Paul. Let's add insult to injury. Let's try to bring him down, especially when he's in jail. And these are so-called Christians. Have you ever encountered this? Christians, a fellow Christian trying to bring you down? Seem to be trying to do everything in their power to take you down a few notches, make your life miserable, and it's tragic. This is insane. This is insane. But it happens. It's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. It happens. Sometimes it happens in a context of a Christian marriage. That's really, really dicey. It's really dicey, but it happens. We still struggle with the remaining sin in us, and sometimes it manifests in these kinds of ways that Paul experienced. It's not good. It's not good. But here's the incredible thing that Paul says. This might be one of the the strongest marks of spiritual maturity that we see in Paul. He still sees good in that. He still sees good in their wrong treatment towards him. He still sees good happening even when the gospel is being advanced with wrong, terrible motives. And by the way, let me just clarify this. Yes, these were backstabbing Christians here. 
Well, these backstabbing Christians, it seems that even though they're, they're trying to get Paul here, they're still sharing the gospel in an accurate, biblical way. I mean, there's no way that Paul would say, would sort of applaud the fact that the gospel is being shared if it was a false gospel or if they're messing with gospel uh, truths that aren't true at all. Okay, so they're probably sharing still a true gospel, even though the motivation is wrong and different and sinful. Okay, and amazingly, here's what's amazing about that. God can use a wrongfully motivated Christian to convey the truth of the gospel in a way that actually helps spiritually lost people meet and find and be saved and transformed by Jesus. That is how powerful our God is, and that is how powerful the gospel is. The gospel in and of itself is powerful. That news is powerful. It is potent. And that's how great our God and how good our God is. Very often we will see a pattern in the Bible from front to back where God will use evil for good. He will use evil for good. That's how powerful he is. That's how sovereign he is. And that is what is happening in the situation that Paul is describing. That being said, as I'm about to land the plane, so bear with me, Paul also identifies what are good right motives for you and I advancing the gospel with lost people. And these are the, the motives that we should have within us as we share the gospel. Therefore, I want you to imagine yourself sharing the gospel with a not-yet-Christian person in your, your life right now. Can you imagine that happening, by the way? I want you to imagine you doing that. Imagine yourself sharing the gospel with goodwill for the person, with truth, and let us use love. Yes, love. Let us lovingly share the gospel in order to winsomely and boldly speak about Jesus to any and all in our circle of relationships who need Jesus. They need hope. They need love. They need salvation. They need the truth of Christ. As I close, let me close with a, a call to action. And there are three things I want you to consider. And I think they're on the screen. They're in your notes as well. And I'll just read through these. The call to action is, and I want you to wrestle with these, is... Firstly, will you prayerfully ask the Holy Spirit to embolden you to advance the gospel in your home, in your workplace, or on your street? Secondly, will you choose to advance the gospel no matter what hard circumstances uh, I find myself in right now? And lastly, will you examine your own motives for advancing the gospel, seeking to do so with goodwill, with love? And with truth. Would you pray with me? God, thank you again for this passage. Thank you for the example that Paul sets forth for us and makes clear that wherever he goes, he's sharing the gospel, even in prison, and sees that as your new mission field, your new chosen mission field for him at the time, even though I'm sure he could have reached maybe so many more people, but you had that mission field in mind for that time and for that purpose. I pray that we would have the same perspective that wherever we are, wherever we're working, even in jobs that we don't enjoy, even if we work with people that are really difficult to, to spend time with, even if we find ourselves in a difficult marriage or even a diff difficult to home or family, extended family situation, that we will see that wherever we are as a, is an opportunity you've given us to advance the gospel for your glory alone. We need your power. We need your boldness. We need your strength. We need your compassion for lost people that unless they meet you, Jesus, it will not go well for them in the end. And I pray that that motivation of love 
would be pervasive in anything that we think about and say and do as we pursue your mission and advance the gospel wherever we are. Lord, as we come to uh, the time of the Lord's table, we again thank you and celebrate all that you've done for us in and through and by the gospel. We thank you, Jesus, for living our life, dying our death, and rising again. Uh, We owe you everything for your finished work on the cross. Through Christ we pray. Amen.